Welcome into the Lockdown Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw, and I'm once again joined by Stacey Patton, Stacey co-host Pod Strickland, and the Believe Knicks podcast. And today we are going to get into R.J. Barrett and the strengths and weaknesses he flashed in the last couple of games, including some struggles defensively and in terms of his decision-making before going deep on the rookies, Miles McBride, Jericho Sims, and Quentin Grimes. Why, what we've seen from them so far has been fantastic but is only the tip of the iceberg. That next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. We're now available on all platforms, including on YouTube. So if you haven't already, please go throw us a subscription, throw us a like, throw us a comment. It really does help a whole lot. I already mentioned it, but I'm joined by the fantastic Stacy Patton, Stacy co-host Pod Strickland on Mondays. That is today, so check it out if you haven't already. Uh, with Schwitty Poo, and he also co-hosts the Believe Knicks podcast uh, with the fantastic Matthew Miranda. Uh, as I noted earlier, we are talking R.J. Barrett, and we are talking about the rookies. So, without further ado, let's get into it with Stacy Patton in part two of this weekend extravaganza breakdown. I wanted to move on to RJ Barrett because I thought this was a two game stretch that I like so much lately. It's just been overwhelmingly good with RJ. And of course you could, you could pick nits and you could look here, you could look there and say like, all right, you could do this better. You can still finish better. Like the three sometimes comes and goes like the defense is sometimes a little iffy, but by and large, overwhelmingly positive. I thought these two games, like it was almost Randall-esque in that there were real shades of gray where he did certain things that were just brilliant. Like that, reverse spin move he had on yeah. Kate Cunningham with 90 seconds left in the game. That's like, and then he went high off the glass for the finish. Yeah, yeah. Like that's incredible touch. Yeah. Again, we were, I was just talking about it with quickly, but like how many guys on earth, like pull that off in that moment? Like there's like, those are the, the guys in the NBA, like the dudes you, you go to war with to win championships. Those are the guys making those moves. And he just, it, it felt casual. It felt easy for RJ Barrett. And, and he had, he had so many ones like that. Like he had this other one, I think it was in the second quarter where he had like a little hesitation, completely froze Cade and almost like, it was almost like a snake dribble. Like he just like slithered his way around him, got to the rim. Yeah. And again, like that kind of, that kind of high arcing finish. And I look at the beginning of the heat game where, um, I mean, you credit quickly, obviously down the stretch, like R- RJ really, he made two free throws, but he really, really, and he got away with a travel assist to Taj Gibson, but he didn't, he didn't win the Knicks that game. Emmanuel quickly won the Knicks that game. But RJ gave them a fighting chance early in the game because, I, by my count, maybe I missed something. He was involved with all of the Knicks' first eleven points, and I think all of them on assists. Like he had a drive. Like you can you can go to the Locked On Knicks Twitter and look at the screenshot of it. There are four Heat defenders within a foot of him, and that's honestly like maybe it's indicative of like the lack of other threats on the floor with him at different times. But that hasn't been a rare thing of late, where there's three, four, even five defenders like either trailing him or watching him, and it's great for RJ because it means he doesn't have to be like a Luka Doncic or LeBron James level playmaker. The reads become easy when you're drawing that level of attention. On the flip side, I thought there was some stuff that I've seen a bit over the last few weeks 
that stood out to me a little bit more in these two games, like one on offense, just him forcing the issue almost for the sake of forcing the issue. And it's almost like the aggression, like, like obviously you'd rather it be on the level it is now, which I'd argue is like turned up to a hundred versus where it was early in the season where it's kind of like, eh, like someone else can get it done. Um, but the downside of that is like, there are times like where he does have to pull it back. Like, like, especially in transition where, where the right move is for him to pull it out. And he's 21. He's going to figure out that balance, but he's just driving into double teams, getting blocked at the rim or throwing up crazy layups. And, and you can make the argument like that's good for his development, but the Knicks have lost a couple of games down the stretch recently because he was unnecessarily like trying to play hero ball and, and, and trying to just like basically like turn off the peripheral vision and, and just go to the rim at all costs. And then defensively, like, I thought he was mostly terrible against Jimmy Butler. Like, what was it? Jimmy Butler, like, 12 points and six assists in the first quarter of that game. And then even in the third quarter, he was just playing soft. And he was letting Jimmy, like, go at him again and again and again. And I normally love that matchup for RJ because I I think he really does see Jimmy as, like, someone that he can emulate a little bit. And I think he sees it as a rivalry. And, like, he brings out the, like, highest level of competitiveness in him. But that wasn't great. And then down the stretch against the Pistons, like, Cade got him a couple times. And I think a lot of people noted this one, like, Killian Hayes, like absolutely torturing him. Like RJ basically just like led him to a strong hand for a layup that, that meant that that game would eventually come down to the final shot. And I know um, our guy Benji was like tweeting out about uh, tweeting about that. Uh, Derek, who was just on the podcast, like tweeted out a graphic about like his Darko, like defensive, like plus minus, which has been on like a steady decline this season. And I don't know if you've noticed that as well, Stacey, but it was something like I hadn't looked into the numbers, but purely on eye test. I, I think as he's taken on this massive load offensively, there's been a decline on that. And, and again, for a 21-year-old playing at a level who's never played at before, I think that's normal. I think it's fine. But I think it is something to know. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you hit on all the points. Um, just starting with the defense, uh, yeah. last like that graphic from Derek was definitely matches the eye test. Last year, he really took a step forward as defender. Um, I think the most notable performance is he played really well against Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, you know, he, but he, but as a team defender, you know, doing a better job getting in passing lanes. Um, I am, you know, this is not to say that the Knicks should have brought back Reggie Bullock or even that he was some defensive stopper, but I think it is fair to wonder. I think that Burks, Fournier, and RJ together is just, it lacks foot speed as a lineup in the backcourt. And I think that's tough. Um, like, if you want to start Burks, I would prefer to put Grimes out there. Uh, over Fournier, and if you want to start Fournier, then I'd prefer to put quickly, maybe even Deuce in those lineups. But those three together, it's it's just it's slow. And then Randall isn't a great help defender, and you saw it today. Like Mitch got, you know, I, I thought Mitchell Robinson had. There are a lot of people who disagree with this, but I thought he bailed him out of a ton of really bad defensive possessions. Yeah, um, I think some of it can also be mitigated by the the fatigue that Randall is feeling. Or sorry, RJ is feeling especially late. Um, and this touches a little bit on some of the shot selection issues. Um, I think that he has been, you know, with Randall out especially, and then there was that Phoenix game where Randall got himself ejected. Um, you know, the he has been asked to be the guy, right? Because um, because that's, you know, he's their best option at that point. And because he doesn't have a credible pull-up game yet, and it's nice to see him taking those, but defenses know they're, they're willing to let him take that they know he get to the rim and they will wall off uh that's where he really struggles right and they'll they'll lock up on the shooters and they'll force him to make shots over length in the half court which is still you know still a part of his game that he's developing um so it's been a little bit more of a mixed bag of late um i do think him and iq help each other a lot 
Um, as good as quickly has been, um, you know, I just talked about how he can be a pretty effective creator even without getting to the rim a lot. But having said that, pairing him with a guy who does that and allows him to also play off ball a little bit and them to work together in synergy and open up lanes for each other, um, that helps. Um, and I think that RJ's ability to just, like, I do think he's flashed a lot more creativity at the rim than that, so he has improved there. Uh, he's willing to take pull-ups, and his vision, it comes and goes, but it's been consistently better. So I don't want to be too hard on him because of these last couple of games. Um, I, th I think that he's had a lot of poor defense performances, but he, for example, he had a really good one against Ja. So I think that when, he's, when he has to lock in and be like, no, it's on me tonight as a defender, he's better. Um, but, you know, obviously as a team defender, he has some lapses. Uh, I think he struggled quite a bit with ball watching this year. Again, it could be paired with, with more poor perimeter defenders forces you to kind of do that. Um, so, um, overall, I'm still pretty encouraged. Um, I think what he's shown over the last month, um, I think, you know, Seth Partnow, who left uh, RJ off of his top, uh, I think it was 125 list, caught a lot of heat from Knicks fans. Uh, but one thing he had mentioned is that, you know, when we, we had him on Plot Strickland was, you, you know, he has low, he doesn't have high usage, you know, it's been low 20s. And he's also not efficient, right? So scaling both of those things up, even for a player who's young, is just, it's tough to project that. What he has done is scaled up his usage and, and the diversity of that usage. And he's complemented with that some playmaking. So the fact that he's just done that, even if the, the efficiency isn't there yet, is, is acceptable enough because then that can be the next step. Um, but in terms of the shots, like, and the last thing, like, Shwini made this point. I don't know how, how much I agree with this, but I think it's an interesting point where RJ kind of, you know, he didn't get the ball much when the starters played to finish the second quarter and then in the third. And then once he, then he, then he went to the other extreme where, uh, you know, he kind of just started taking it in all the time and forcing up some stuff where he could have been a little bit slowed down and more methodical. Uh, I think he's finding that balance of how to play with pace versus, you know, and not slow the ball down and, and be aggressive versus, um, I, I, like, I don't think it's a, it's selfishness. It's just it's learning when to choose his spots, especially when you are the the, the big dog. And for a 21-year-old, I think he's been pretty um, good at that. Um, but I also, I don't see him ever as being, like, this hyper-efficient player. I think on offense, I see him probably following something closer to a Jalen Brown type trajectory. Um, you know, reasonably, I don't, I don't, I think it's a little optimistic, but it's pretty reasonable. Uh, but if you are that player, Jalen Brown adds a lot of value on defense. So I think that if you're not going to be, you know, a Luka Doncic type of offensive player, uh, you, you have to play better defense than he has. And he will. Um, but, you know, I think that that's fair to, to call that out. There's some technique issues he probably needs to work on. Um, you know, there, he's never going to be the most laterally quick guy. It's understanding how to leverage his strength more consistently, which again, he shows flashes, but um it's really consistency and in focus there i think will help him a lot um and i don't think he'll be like an all nba level defender but i think he can be consistently a plus and um and in lately he hasn't been and and i think but i i'm not i'm not at the point where i'm worried yet about that all right guys we'll be back in just a sec to continue the episode but i want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counters orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? When Rock Auto is a family business and they've been serving do-it-yourselfers like yourself for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. And most importantly, they have everything you could possibly need. That includes brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Yeah, I'm... I'm with you on all counts. I mean, I think it's it's sort of like a baby, like walking around for the first time, like you're going to bang into some walls or you're going to trip over yourself. But like, this is, this is the time to do it. Like when the season is over, when there's not really much at stake, it's perfectly fine. Even though the Knicks won these two games and they've been winning quite a bit recently, it's perfectly fine if the Knicks lose. Like this is a time for him to figure those things out, make those mistakes and grow because of them. All right, Stacey, uh, let's finish on this because I I know you're like me, like a, a big fan of all three of these guys. And um, I think very similar to Obi Toppin, like they all flash skills and have moments that go beyond um, simply the box score, like, or how they're shooting on a night to night basis. But um, Deuce, Grimes, Jericho, I'm just going to throw them at you as a group. What stood out to you in this weekend? And, and I mean, particularly in that fourth quarter against the Heat, when to your point, they're going up against all stars, they're going up against a, a core group of guys who, like Kyle Lowry, won a championship. Like the rest of the guys in the Heat lineup obviously made it to the NBA Finals in the bubble year. It's one game. You don't want to draw too much from one game. But I thought, it, it, in a sense, it's not drawing too much from one game because we've consistently seen those guys. And it's indicative, just like you could just look at Deuce's plus minus on the year. Like the Knicks are better when they're on the court. And I thought that fourth quarter summed it up. And just from a pure, like, I think this is what you're getting at earlier, like a toughness perspective, like matching the heat mono a mono, like, like that rebound that Deuce got with whatever it was 30 seconds left in the game when the Knicks were up by six, where he just goes, it looked like he took off from a trampoline, right? Like goes flying way above the backcourt to grab it in traffic. Like just little moments like that. Like we had another dudes, one like dudes that are competitive right killers. Sorry. I'll, I'll throw it to you. No, sorry. Uh, you, you can finish. I was going to say he had another one like that too in the fourth a huge rebound. Hey. Uh, yeah, he won like that in distance too, where it just yeah. like, like spring, springs in his feet. And I, I, I'm sure one day we're going to see that translate into finishing on offense. But but yeah, all, all that is to say, like, I've, I'm, I'm talking in circles, but like, it's just, it's a little, it's a little more than just what the box score shows. Yeah, um, I can start off on Deuce. Yeah, so Deuce, like, this is what's been a little bit perplexing for him as a prospect. He was very pull-up heavy in college. Um, you know, he would, he would create space. I like, people were like, does he have the burst to get to the rim? I didn't think that was as much of an issue, but he needed to tighten the handle a little bit, but he settled for a lot of pull-ups. Part of that was West Virginia often went with two bigs and the paint was crowded. So there's usually just a lot of traffic there. So that's a little bit understandable. I think he showed more ability to get to the rim in the G league and he's like, he's improved there. Um, but it's not a quickly thing where like with quickly, I think there's going to be a ceiling on just how good he can be unless he develops like the Steve Nash, Tony Parker finishing package, which I think he actually has pretty good touch, but that's just a very ambitious, those are hall of fame players, right? With juice, I think the physical tools are there. Um, it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, we're going to see that with finishing because one of his best games as a prospect was against one Cade Cunningham, who he was matched up with today quite a bit. Yeah. And um, he, you know, there was a sequence, I think that this is probably the most tweeted out sequence from Deuce pre-college, 
where he had a steal. Um, you know, he he had a he picked off a pass. Cade got back, and Deuce finished over him with a layup. And then on the next play, he actually um, he stole the ball from Cade, and then Cade was step for step with him, and he just dunked on him. He dunked on the number one prospect on the in the draft, and and then he was like, he's generally seems like he he's he has a little bit of he he can get a little saucy. I think um, against Miami, he hit a three, and he like stared down the bench. Like he he has a little bit of that, even though he's generally pretty stoic on the court. Um, and you know he like flexed after that dunk against Cade. Um, but I think I think that that'll come. I think that you know you mentioned the rebound he had. There was also a play where he was defending Kyle Lowry, and Lowry did his little veteran thing where he wanted to get Deuce up to foul. Deuce went straight up, didn't foul, uh, and Lowry lost the ball. And instead of what most rookies um, are going to do is hold the ball to the fourth. Tibbs is going to light my ass on fire if I try to do something. Instead of that, he went full steam ahead, like you said, and then he used that athleticism to make a contested finish in transition to get the Knicks uh, points. Uh, and it, again, late in the fourth. Yeah. Um, I think that in general, watching Deuce Grimes, like watching the young guys, and I'll credit Tibbs for this because he likes some, he favors a more conservative scheme. And maybe that's why they don't get as many minutes to begin with. But when those guys play, he's done a good job of adapting to his defense. You see them trap more, use that athleticism, use that length. Um, you know, Jericho Sims is still a work in progress as a weak side rim protector. But um, but as a result, Tibbs knows that for what he lacks there, he has good mobility. He can switch out. So they're more willing to switch him out on the guys. Um, you know, with with Deuce, he's he's he lets Deuce pick up 94 feet, right? Um, he with Grimes, he has him switching. Like they also all talk really well. Grimes, in particular, is a great communicator on defense. Deuce has shown that too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that when you watch those guys play, like I think the big one was that thirty-six to four run against. I think it was the Clippers, right? Yeah. Um, you watch them on defense; they're legitimately fun to watch on defense. I don't know. Even last year, when the Knicks had a great defensive rating, I don't know that they were as fun to watch as these guys. They no, get there's after. No way. There's, there's no chance. I'll answer it for you now. They weren't. Yeah, they weren't right, and they get in your shirt. They force turnovers. By the way, I'd add reddish in that when he plays with that group, he really looks energized as well. Yeah. Um, and so Deuce Grimes quickly, like those three guys are fun on defense, man. And they get up the floor, they play with pace, they can all shoot, they all move without the ball, they all share the ball. Um, going through all three individually. So with Deuce, I think the next step is attacking the rim a little bit more. I think there was a clip from the Miami game where he ran a pick and roll, did a great job of grading separation, and probably could have either gone to the rim to set up a lob or or um or or take it himself. And instead he settled for a midi. Um, which, you know, that, that's in last year, that's the same thing with IQ, right? He was settling for a floater, not taking more dribbles, not gnashing as much as it, that's another thing IQ has been doing. And you'd like McBride to show that a little bit more, but he's still on that positive because like, even when he, the shots have been falling, defense is closed out on Deuce McBride. Like he is a shooter with a capital S. So he still positively contributes there. Um, he pushes the ball in transition as well. He had a great outlet pass, I think to Randall right off a rebound, kind of like what you were talking about with quickly. I don't think it resulted yeah. in points, but uh, that was where, you know, Deuce played quarterback and you could see it there, right? It was just a very quick on the money pass, probably 60 feet in the air. Um, but I think that the shots are going to fall. I'm definitely not worried about him as a shooter. Um, I think he's shown enough as a passer and ball handler to at least be a secondary guy in that. Um, and I think the shots will fall. And then I think the next step, like the star or, or like the high level starter outcome gets unlocked when he's going to the rim more consistently. That's probably a year two thing. And the last thing I'll, I'll say on him 
is I think a lot of people get antsy when you know he was just standing in the corner. That happened with Cam Reddish too. Cam Reddish, when he first started getting minutes, was just parked in the corner. I just think, and that's not even a thing I would criticize Tibbs for, but I think that when he introduces new guys, he likes to scale them up slowly. So McBride's first few games, Reddish's first few games, he was basically just taking catch and shoot threes. In time, he would get a, you know a couple of pick and roll looks here, um, or an opportunity to create late in the shot clock. He slowly scaled that up before he got hurt. You're seeing that more with Deuce, where he's now a few possessions, even on IQ or Burks are in the game, he's running a pick and roll. He's bringing the ball up. Um, he's been he's been quick to pull the trigger when he gets a catch and shoot. He's also made some ambitious passes. Uh, I think he had one. Uh, cross court against Miami where he pump faked out of a three and then just threw it with one hand straight across the court to RJ for an open three that RJ hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think that there are people who are like, when he wasn't doing anything in offense, they're like, yeah, the on off is good and he's a great defender. But um, you know, if he does nothing on offense, it's, it's just like Frank. And I'm like, I love Frank Milikina. Deuce is already a better player and on offense for sure. Like on defense, like he can get foul happy, but he's still been really solid. I think he got beat once on a switch today, but he also had some impressive rotations. He had a, you know, he mentioned that he looked up to Kyle Lowry growing up. He took a charge today in the fourth late. That was pretty key. Um, so I'm a huge Deuce fan. Um, I'm excited to watch him grow with the kids. All right, guys, we'll be back to wrap up the podcast with Stacey Patton in just a second to give some final thoughts on the rookies. But first, I want to remind you that NBA Top Shot's the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. You can connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. This is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, where every moment on Top Shot originates in a pack. But unlike real trading cards... These are, aren't still images on cardboard. They're officially licensed NFTs of the greatest moments in NBA history. It's basically akin to the stock market for the NBA. Every day, millions of dollars worth of NFTs are traded back and forth between tens of thousands of NBA fans around the world. There's also a fantasy sports component in that every night you have the ability to capitalize in the market if you're able to predict top performers. It's also part airline loyalty program for the NBA. Top Shot flew collectors out to Game 5 of the NBA Finals based on having Suns moments. They also flew collectors out to the NBA Draft based on having rookie moments. And, and those people got to have dinner with first-round draft picks that night before they were drafted. And they got to play basketball with Tyrese Halliburton and a certain burgeoning superstar named Obi Toppin. Um, I hear all the time, why would I buy a highlight when I could watch it on YouTube for free? It's not just about watching a highlight. It's about having an ownership stake in what's akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest hi highlights. Top Shot's moments can give you access to events that can be used in fantasy minigames on a regular basis. NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. Grimes, it's interesting because um, if you look at the Knicks, three, those three guys, Quickly, Deuce, and Grimes, they're all pretty effective shooters. But uh, the one thing I'll say about Quickly is his jump shot is not the most aesthetically pleasing. It's a little bit of a push shot. Deuce like is a little bit different where he kind of keeps the guide hand on pretty long. I think part of that is because he wants a high release and he is so mid-range heavy. And then Grimes is one of the most picturesque jumpers I've ever seen. Right? It reminds me a little bit of like Ray Allen or Richard Lewis where it's just like barely a dip, gets up high, releases. It's almost unblockable with how quick and how high he releases it. Um, and he brings great point of attack ability. I mean, he's he's really not that big. He's six four with a six eight wingspan. So I think pre-draft, a lot of guys are like, he doesn't have ideal wing size and he can't really do much on ball. 
but um, but he really can like he can guard up because he's pretty strong. So he can probably switch one to three, probably even some fours. I mean, just look at look at that strip he had laid on Jimmy Butler. Like that 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 should be like when you're talking about that scouting report, that should be like the issue. Yeah. And not not that he was he obviously wasn't guarding Jimmy Butler all game, but you I think how strong his hands are and how good his instincts are, and to your point, how good his feet are. Like yeah. he can he can make up for a lot of other deficiencies. Yeah, and and again, a very smart player moves well without the ball. Yeah. Um, great shooter. I think he hasn't looked quite a hundred percent since coming back from injury. Missed Definitely not injury. athletically. I wouldn't. And add to your point, the shot outside of the fourth quarter against the Heat just hasn't yeah. been yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, and then so, but very encouraging. I mean, I think you know, I think remember Derek. Derek and I had talked about this and, you know, Derek was saying, and I think it was legitimate, you know, it's, it's tough to expect Grimes to come in and be a plus defender as a rookie because most rookies aren't. Yeah. And he has been, I think Derek even admitted later that like he was the exception of the rule. Um, and, and that's just, you know, that's a combination of all those things we've talked about going forward. I think the next step is a little bit more creation. I think like he, people, you know, it's been mentioned, but he went to Kansas as a top 10 recruit. He was an on-ball guy. He played point guard in high school. He was viewed as a combo guard creator, you know, physical driver, and that didn't work out well. So he had to reinvent himself as a shooter. Um, and 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 he was taking 15 threes per 100, which to give you an idea of how absurd that is in college, uh, quickly was a shooter, and he took 8.2 threes per 100 um, as, a, as a sophomore. Uh, Bones Highland, who's another gunner, took about 14.9. So for Grimes to get that many up shows like how just like, He's open even when he's not open. Uh, and so, like, I mean, I think, like, a comp I've thought about is, like, Joe Harris, but with much better defense and versatility. Yeah. Uh, and then I think at that point, like, the on-ball stuff, like, can he run a pick and roll, get to the rim occasionally, do some passing? I think he has pretty – He's he makes pretty good passes. He's another connector type. Um, that, But that's almost the cherry on top. I see a pretty high-level role player that, you know, in today's game, like, that peak version of him is probably worth, like, $20 million a year. Um you know, I think that would be a better player than even what, what Fournier is right now, um, who's getting a little bit less than that. And the last guy I'll talk about is Sims. Um, with Sims, I think he's a testament to the Knicks player development because he looked so lost early in the season. Um, like against Atlanta, I think got time, didn't know where to be, didn't know when to contest, was missing every box out. Uh, he's just, he's improved from that to inconsistent. Um I think there was a sequence today. He had a really nice contest on a Cade drive and he forced a miss. And like that's, and then he followed that up where Cade drove and it was a nice quick drive and Sims didn't really have much time, but he couldn't get a contest up on a point blank floater for, for Cade just in back to back plays. So Benji has talked about this a lot, but knowing when to contest, I think he's a reasonably good sense of verticality, um, especially for, for a rookie. Um, but knowing when to contest, um, and when to, you know, just he, he's kind of like Mitch would try to contest everything as a rookie and have yeah. to scale that back. Sims need to probably make the opposite adjustment um, and understanding a little bit more on his rotations. But um, but he's, he's flashed the ability to do that. And with how much he's improved, again, I think the common thread with all of these young guys is that they all seem like insanely high work ethic guys. Uh, Grimes reinventing himself from an on ball guy into what he's become itself is you know, when he was kind of viewed as a bust or whatever at Kansas is pretty impressive. Um, so Sims, so those are the kinds of things, but what does Sims do well? He moves his feet for a guy that size as well as anyone. And although he's only 6'9", 6'10", he has a 7'4 wingspan, which so, and that's without considering the fact that he probably can jump as high as anyone in the NBA. That is a big time package. And you've seen him repeatedly stay with guards on switches. 
he's quite strong and actually having a lower center of gravity, I think helps him a little bit when you've seen him defend guys like Jokic and Embiid, he held up pretty well. Those are two pretty decent players. So I think that's pretty encouraging for a rookie. Um, and then the other thing is I, you don't want to get into a Sims Mitch thing. And I think that to say Sims has made Mitch expendable, which some are willing to say is way too premature. Yeah. But um, what I will say is he is, he has a lot more on offense um, versatility. Uh, you know, I think against Miami, he had like a little baby hook uh, jump shot from three to four feet, which in my mind, I was like, well, Mitch doesn't have the touch to make that, but also does make Mitch just dunk that. I don't know. Um, but he's like Vivek Dazanya did a thread also. Um, like, you know, Sims is really good at, um, there are a few examples in the Miami game in the fourth quarter where he would grab an offensive rebound and immediately kick out to an open shooter. Yeah. He had one to Grimes late. Um, so he is, he's not Mitch on the offensive glass, but he's pretty good on the offensive glass and he makes much quicker decisions. He's also a guy that you can throw the ball to and he'll catch it, right? He has good hands. Um, he can put the, he can like take a dribble, make a quick decision, like in process. Like he's not just strictly like, uh, you need to put it up with like a simple lob or that kind of, like he can do a little bit more on offense in college. He actually flashed the ability to like grab and go and dribble a little bit. He did a little bit of that today. So there's probably a little bit more versatility on offense too. So it's really just a matter of like, can he like, can he get to that level as a rim protector and help defender? And then you're talking about a starting level center, which, um, which for the 58th pick in the draft is, is pretty absurd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, wow. I mean, that was, first of all, extremely thorough on all three guys. I have a million thoughts. I think I might have to save them for another day because we're running a, a, a little bit long. But I will just quickly note to, to sum up on all three, and I think this is, again, you just went into all this in much more detail, but we're just scratching the surface, and yet they just they came out and beat the Miami Heat and, and have played massive roles in, in, in this Knicks team looking just far better and far more consistent than they have at any point this season. And, I mean, with Deuce, I mean, there's just so much on the bone there. Um, with Grimes, like, I think we know who he is and it was the guy who he was pre-injury and like the shots going to come around. Um, the ability to attack a closeout is going to come around. The defense will stay the same. And, and Sims has almost been the biggest surprise of any of them to me because I just, I didn't think he was going to be a guy who could play NBA minutes this year. And we, we know Tibbs is not playing him out of the generosity of his heart. Like if he thought Mitch was the better option down the stretch against the heat, Mitch would have been out there, but Sims was out there for a reason. And I mean, maybe it, it, it was that instinct to pass the ball on his offensive rebounds or the fact that like, I mean, I go back to that Nets game where he showed off just that insane verticality that uh, on a play that maybe could have won the Knicks the game if they closed that game out a little bit stronger, but all that is to say these guys yeah. are contributing. Yeah. I'll add on the, the Miami point. It's also like, like Mitch, I think is still a better defender, but Miami yeah. is a team that likes to invert their offense and play Bam at the five or right. so, so play Bam at the five and have him initiate from the top of the key. So that's really where Sims' mobility shines, right? And it, it, it'll probably, in, in playoff games, like that kind of environment, it, it becomes even more important. But sorry, sorry to interrupt. Just wanted to No, no, no. I mean, you're, you're right. And it's I think it's it's interesting to, again, going down a rabbit hole here, but to contrast that with Mitch, when to me, like the whole appeal of, of old Mitch was he was someone that you could trust on the perimeter in those situations. And maybe with the added strength, like he's he's lost a little bit of that mobility. I mean, Sims is just a ridiculous athlete, but watching both of them like sims again in different kinds and in different situations just mitch around the rim is obviously still the better athlete but on the perimeter i don't think it's any contest like sims is like on on another level in that capacity and and to your point like instead of one replacing the other like having those two as your center rotation you find a way to get off Maryland's noel 
uh, that's pretty intriguing and exciting to me. But anyways, big picture point, uh, all these guys are fantastic. And I think at least to me at this point in the season, maybe the most important thing is like they're fun. They make, they make watching yeah. the Knicks enjoyable. I, I like, I mean, what you talked about on defense, but on offense too, like McBride, even when the shot isn't dropping, just his ability to like, there was one play where there was a loose ball and he just got it and immediately like fired it to Mitch under the rim for the dunk. Like the Knicks have just lacked that, that zip all season long and they would only get it from OB. And now it, it feels like they have like five OB and OBs and quicklies out there at a time. And it's, it's just, it's a joy, especially in contrast to what we've gotten. Uh, Stacy, I could talk to you for another hour or two or three. I know, I know you'd be down. I, 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 I love, love talking hoops with you. I feel like we could really nerd out. I, I learned something uh, every, every time you come on. I know I say that about like Prez and Benji too, but it's, it's true for all of you guys. Um, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Pod Strickland is just flat out the smartest Knicks podcast out there. I love listening to it. Uh, everyone, if you're not already checking it out, uh, you certainly should. The Believe Knicks podcast, also a fantastic listen with Stacey and Matthew Miranda. But Stacey, let me know. Am I missing anything or do you have anything just coming up in the next week that you want to plug or mention before we wrap up? Um, yeah, no, that that was pretty good. And yeah, I definitely learned a lot uh, on the pod with you. I, I always end up uh, enjoy coming on with you and, and Alex. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to come on earlier this season, but, uh, but maybe it's better that we got to do it after some happier times. Yeah, there you go. Um, the other, the only other thing I'll add is I, um, so we're doing, uh, we've been doing more draft coverage at the Strickland. So, um, so Prez, as, as many of you might know, does, does the draft Strickland pod for us. Uh, and we recently released our big board. So today I think a pod dropped, whereas part one of a two-part pod with, um, with, so Prez and Tyrese did, did an hour, I think, or so about that and then part two is going to be released probably within the next week or so and that's me and prez so i'll be on that uh talking draft and yeah, nerding out with prez uh and uh yeah thanks for the very kind words it's uh it's i've been very fortunate to be on on pod strickland with with schwinn um i, I think uh yeah like I, I it allows me to kind of his uh his verve and, and kind of the energy he brings allows me to kind of be a little bit more low-key so i think it yeah, he's, well he's, well. he's your deuce he's your deuce exactly yeah there you go Okay. All right. Thanks again, Stacey. And with that, we'll wrap up this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. Again, we are available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And we appreciate you making Locked on Knicks your first listen. If you haven't done so recently uh, or, or at all, please go subscribe on YouTube. Please drop a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us uh, do the pod and keep doing it five days a week and continuing to get great guests like Stacey. But until next time, be good. Peace out.